0: Good morning, Jack. You can hear me as well. As we've had a couple of little issues. Kath, could you possibly put that reading up straight away, please? Thank you. Fantastic. Just going to, uh, as I start, read a passage that's very important to me. Uh, very important because it was the first time, really, when I, had my, I was given a tiny little copy of uh, Matthew's Gospel when I was little. And I just before Christmas one year, I read it sort of faithfully every night. And when I got to this bit, it really sort of hit me, just what being a Christian was all about. I was about eight or nine, I guess. Uh, and this this little bit of Matthew, it's, the, it's obviously... You, very familiar passage. It's called the Great Commission. It's a very famous passage. I'm just going to read it to you today as I start and then hopefully in just under 20 minutes I'll tell you just a few little highlights of why I'm a Christian, why I'm here today, where I've come from, which hopefully will speak to a few people this morning. So this is what Matthew's uh, Gospel, chapter 28, says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, as a, as a young boy, as a sort of eight, nine, the bit that really hit me was that very last line. The fact that if I was signing up to really being a Christian, God was promising there through Jesus' son to be with me to the very end of the age, so whether I live to be 50 or 70 or 115, he was going to be with me. And he was, that promise was for everybody in the world. And that really hit me. That really struck me. I was brought up uh, in a Christian family. I was very fortunate that my mum and dad had met at church when they were very little. My dad uh, was a church organist. And even at the age of 13, 14, he was training to be a church organist. My mum sang in the, the local church choir and that's where they met and they started going out when they were 14 and 12 and they're still married today which is a, is a huge blessing to me that I still have lovely uh, Christian supportive parents who've looked after me throughout my life and I know many people are not in that fortunate position. But they met there so uh, in 1971 when I was born they were just moving house to live in a small town called Aldridge uh, in the West Midlands. It's about a few miles from Walsall, which you might have heard of. It sounds like Warsaw when they read out the football results, but it's Walsall uh, in the West Midlands. And that's, that's where they still live. That's the house I'll be visiting on Wednesday when I go up to pick up my kids and a bit more about that later on. But they lived there the whole time. Now, it happened that as they moved in there in January 1971 when I was born, just a, a few weeks earlier, my dad had uh, knocked on the vicarage door of a church called St. Thomas's Church in Aldridge and said, I'm an organist, I've moved into the area, you know, is there anything I can do at your church? When the Sunday before that, literally the day before, this was the Monday morning, the church had been having a a sort of morning of prayer about worship at the church and how they needed leadership and they were hoping an organist might arrive. And my dad just appeared and the vicar almost sort of fell over (laughs) because my dad had just opened the door and said, I'm an organist, can I help? And it was a bit, okay God, prayer does work. So they felt very strongly that that church, St Thomas's church, was the place that they should be. Uh, and they were there for, for many, many years. Now it happens if, I don't think Evan's here this morning, he's probably doing something far more, far more busy with his children or travelling around, but Evan Cockshaw, who some of you have got to know, who's been at our church for the last few months, was vicar of that church many, many years later which was really bizarre. I was just chatting to him on Facebook. And he said, oh, off to Aldridge today to do a, a church fair. As you know, he sells wonderful Christian products. Um, and I said, oh, why in Aldridge? That's where I come from. Oh, I'm going to St. Thomas's Church. And we had this amazing conversation where he revealed that he'd been vicar there about 25, 30 years after I'd been there as a child. So I was fortunate to go to a church that was a modern church serving a brand new estate, a modern building. My dad was at the heart of worship and that talked about the importance of having a relationship with God. I was baptised. I was then confirmed there. So I went on a course with the vicar and asked lots of awkward questions, as 14, 15-year-olds do. And I got the answers I needed. And I was confirmed in the local church um, by the Bishop of Lichfield, And I took that really seriously. You know, This bishop was going to lay hands on me. And that was a really big moment for me. And I prayed really hard that I'd be as good a person as I could. And I'd have, be filled with the Holy Spirit and all those things. So my childhood was... Largely a a very good one, though I will say that the church, like a lot of churches in the 1970s and 80s, went through something known as the Charismatic Movement, which you might have heard of. That might mean nothing at all. And worship was getting much more modern. Uh, People were starting to speak in tongues and put their hands up in services. And I know for my mum and dad, that was a really big issue at the time. Uh, My dad was a church organist and had come from a quite traditional background. And we had a wonderful vicar called David Butterfield, who was also a brilliant musician. And once the community had happened, he would go to the keyboard and we'd have 20 minutes of fantastic worship with my dad there too and a a wonderful uh, singer called Charmaine who would lead us. But quite often, people really got into it and people would raise their hands. And I knew my mum just despised people raising their hands in church. And I would sit next to her as a little boy and look up at my mum and she would get a tiny little drop of sweat on her (laughs) nose. And I knew that she was getting stressed and this, this wasn't how things should be. So I spent a lot of that time, not just listening to the wonderful teaching, but concentrating on my mum and looking up to her and thinking, is this going to be an awkward Sunday lunch? Is she going to be upset about things? Um, so it wasn't really until I went to university that I guess I could really say, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go to a church like this? Do I want to go to a, a more traditional church? Do I want to pray with people? And I was very fortunate at university to meet huge numbers of of Christians. Again, I just think God was involved in that right from the start. As I moved into my first room in my first year at university, someone banged on my door and said, hi, I'm new too. Come and have a cup of tea. Wonderful Christian lady called Mary. And her room at my college in university became the focus of all the Christian activity amongst our year group. So I just would have to walk to my room every day, bang on her door, and there'd be 10, 15 people having cups of tea and toasted cheese sandwiches. And she was sort of pastorally looked after everyone who was a Christian at my college so I got to know some wonderful Christian people and that's that's where I met my wife then uh, who I I married a few years later Gaynor and it so it all came out of this sense that God was involved it was in college that I tried out all sorts of different types of church. I went to uh, Compline uh, in one of the colleges called Magdalen College, Oxford, where a very, very high church service that took place every Sunday night, where we would be sort of singing monastic type services. And that was, that was quite interesting and exciting. But I'd also go to a church called St Aldate's, which is a big family church that a lot of the students went to, which was very similar to this. So I wasn't sure really where I would go next. Um, I didn't know where I'd get a job at the end of that. I did a history degree. Uh, It just happened that I applied for jobs all over the country and one at a place called Hampton School came up. I knew nothing about this area uh, and I was very fortunate to get that job. uh, Just before I came to visit Hampton School, I went and chatted to a very good friend of mine uh, who was training for the ministry. And he sat me down. We had a very bizarre evening. And forgive me if you might have heard this before. It was in very early days of laptops. He had a laptop which I'd never seen before. uh, And he had lost his voice. So he asked me lots of questions via laptop, which was very bizarre. One of the questions I remember he asked was... um, what sort of Christian activities do you do currently? And I said, oh, well, I sing in the chapel choir. I read at chapel uh, once a week. I'm in a prayer triplet. I go to St. Aldate's on a Sunday. I go to Christian Union things. I'm also in something, a wonderful thing called Christians in Sport, where I meet with other, not that I was particularly sporty, with some really good sportsmen at the university. And then he tapped in, what about quiet times? And I looked a little bit more blank and said, oh I'm um, quite busy and he said and he then tapped in why don't you forget some of the activities and start praying more which I thought you know for someone who hardly knew me I thought that's quite a bold thing to say but I thought yeah, fair enough perhaps I was doing a lot of Christian stuff but not necessarily getting my knees and praying a bit so that next morning I did the classic thing set my alarm six o'clock did an hour and a half quiet time and thought this is amazing I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life now I've tried to I haven't succeeded not with an hour and a half, certainly. But it it was just a little moment, someone intervened in my life and said, you know what, you're doing a lot of stuff, but what about praying a bit more? What about getting your Bible out more? And it was a really helpful thing to do. And that, again, set me hopefully on a decent path. He also said, um, "I said, do you know any good churches in the sort of southwest London area?" And he said, "What about St Stephen's? That's a really good church. Try that." So I wrote to the vicar of St Stephen's, a chap called Martin Pepiat. I know some of you here know, and he said, "Yeah, come and live with us in the vicarage. We'd be delighted to have you." So I came to a brand new area, knowing no one at all, and instantly I was right in the midst of this fantastic church. Uh, the very first Sunday. Um, that I went to that church. The vicar invited me back for lunch and he introduced me to a lovely lady called Tina, who she said, oh, this is Tina. You probably know her. She's a Blue Peter presenter, Tina Heath as she was. And I was, and this is her husband, Dave, who plays with Cliff Richard. Uh, and I thought, wow, everybody in London is famous. I'm obviously just gonna every week meet famous people from the TV. Now, that was the only time I met someone famous from the TV there. But they became a lovely couple uh, who I got to know really well. And I sang with Dave. Uh, and Clara at St. Stephen's and lots of other people here as well. So that was another little step towards uh, maturity as a Christian. St. Stephen's was a wonderful place to go to church for quite a few years. Now in 2002, moving on quite a few years, David McDougal, who was the, uh, I think, associate vicar, I think he was called there at the time, stood at the front with uh, Andrew Watson, the, the vicar of St. Stephen's by that stage, and said that there was the possibility that a group of people were going to come to this wonderful place called Sunbury, to this church called St. Saviour's, where they needed a little bit of help, perhaps a few more people to join the congregation that was faithfully keeping this church going. And had done a wonderful job in quite t- trying times, trying to keep a church going uh, amongst difficulties uh, faced. And And I thought, what a great idea. What a fantastic chance to be part of something new. That time we had two kids uh, and very quickly number three was on the way. uh, And it was wonderful to get involved in a church uh, when something quite new was happening. So scrubbing floors in the vicarage and cutting lawns and chopping down trees in the Vicarage Garden. It was wonderful to be right at the start of something that has come on to be, as you can see today, such a wonderful, uh, thriving church. To get to know some of those people who are already here, who had faithfully worked so hard on this church over many, many years. And then to see so many people come through these doors in the following years to, to help St Saviour's grow into the church it is today. So that was fantastic too. Scarlett, my youngest child, was the first baby to be born here, which was wonderful. So when we had a uh, you know, nativity here and that sort of first Christmas, she was the tiny baby that appeared. She's now 13. So uh, things uh, have moved on very quickly. Now, as many of you will know, things didn't always go to plan. uh, And sadly, in 2011, my marriage ended, which was, of course, a major shock. I don't think many people saw it coming. I certainly didn't see it coming. And suddenly, from having had this lovely, relatively straightforward journey with lots of wonderful people helping me along the way suddenly everything changed. And, and 2011, um, I was just thinking this as, as I was preparing this morning, the very day before I knew that that, that was happening, I was coming to the end of a, uh, the role that I'd love most in my job at, at Hampton School, which I still teach at today. I was head of year seven uh, and we had a, a wonderful swimming gala at Hampton Swimming Pool, which some of you know the outdoor pool. And it, the very last few moments of being a head of year, it was, just, it was just like the credits were happening of a film. I had loads of boys coming up to you on this lovely sunny morning saying, thanks for everything this year. It's been wonderful. And I was thinking, that's it for me. I'm not going to be your head of year again. It was really sad. But loads of people were coming up and saying, oh, I've really enjoyed this year. Thank you for everything you've done. It just felt like the, somehow the credits were rolling down of my time. As a head of year. And the next day, I went up to Yorkshire and discovered that perhaps things weren't quite as I expected in our marriage, uh, and, and some major changes were about to happen. Now, in terms of faith, I've mentioned that there's been some important little sort of stepping stones to where hopefully I feel I am today. But that clearly was the, the point, the sort of crossing point as you were before. How did I deal with that? Everything changed at that moment. I went from being what I thought was a happily married father of three, uh, heavily involved in a church, very happy at school. Suddenly, it all, all turned upside down. And that's, I guess, when, and so many of the things we've already heard this morning and we've just heard wonderfully from Tom and Sarah really came into play. What was I going to do at that point? Was I going to get angry? Was I going to just think that was it for me? You know, all that faith, all those prayers, all those quiet times, it had come to nothing because life had suddenly thrown me that, that really sort of difficult challenge. To be honest, for me, I just didn't think there was any choice. This wasn't a wonderful, faithful Christian who was dealing with crisis. It was someone thinking, well, why would I not hold on to God at this moment? God has provided me with everything I've needed. He's given me, most importantly, eternal life. When I die, I'm going to be with him in heaven. Why would I suddenly just turn away at that moment? It just didn't seem to make any sense. So I held on with all I could, and I was surrounded by wonderful people here, wonderful family and friends, who just looked after me through everything. Uh, Kath, who's uh, doing the, the visuals this morning, and her lovely husband, Gare, put me into their home. They took me in their home, which is, I think still think the most powerful thing you could possibly do, someone who's lost his home, to say, "Come and live with us." And I will, I will always remember their generosity and kindness of giving me just what I need, needed those for those next few months to say, "Look, if you want to sit down here and chat if you want to just." go to your room if you want to, whatever you want to do, we're here for you. And that was a massive blessing to me. So to me, the next few years has been a little bit of a process like a character in the Bible. Now, before I say this, I'm not claiming by any means that there are lots of similarities with this character, because he faced so, so much more than I possibly faced. I'm going to talk about the character of Job in the Bible, who you might know the story of Job. the devil said to God, this faithful man, Job, I can get him to stop believing in you if I change his life. And God said, no, no, you never will. He's a faithful man of God. He will be true to the end. And the devil said, okay, well, just hand him over to me. I'm gonna play around with his life a bit. And what he did was effectively take his wives away. It wasn't just the wife. Several wives, his kids all died. He lost all his livestock. He lost his home. He lost His fair hair fell out. Everything went wrong for him and he remained a faithful servant of God. Now, clearly, I, I didn't have most of that. Yeah, I lost a family home that had meant a lot to me. My children then moved up to North Yorkshire, which is, is a long way to go, uh, and that, that was very difficult, but a lot of the rest of my life carried on. But then I was in that process of thinking, well, what do I do next? Do I try to replace that life? A lot of people said to me, get back on the housing ladder, go and do that. So I thought, right, I'll do that. I went to the bank and they said, not a hope. And it suddenly made me realise how much I'd invested in that house round the corner in Wolsey Road. How much of, you know, there's a, there's a bit in the uh, with King David, where King David counts up his armies, and they come to what, one and a half million soldiers. And God's really crossed him and said, why have you counted your armies? You don't need not one of those soldiers. I will protect you. But David wants to count and just check that he's... And I think that was something I did in my life. I thought, oh, how long have I been working in this? How much is my house worth? I could come to church and be very faithful, but it was very easy to rely on those. Any money in the bank account? How much is the house? All that, And that all disappeared. So suddenly, I had nothing left. And actually, I think that was a very helpful thing because I could say, okay, God, it's not about the house. It's not about a relationship. I'm just here now what do you want to do with me next? How do you want my life to change? Now, after a while, and with some help from uh, several of my female colleagues at school, they said, come on, Richard, it's time to get back out there. Come on, you've had your time of getting used to this. Dating had changed enormously from the 25 years before that. There were things called dating sites, Christian dating sites, where you could sign up and amazing people appeared on your screen and you could talk to them. And and so it was a whole new world. Now, I remember very closely the very First time I went to meet someone else, and it was a terrifying experience. I was on the train on a Friday night, heading into Heathrow, heading into Waterloo Station, throwing it down with rain, thinking, What on earth am I doing? Why would I be on a train about to meet someone I've never met before? Yeah, lovely Christian lady, and I could see from her profile, you know, what she it was interesting, what music she liked. We'd had a why am I doing this? I could just be at home with a glass of wine, watching some TV. Why am I putting myself through this? But I thought it was the right thing to do. And it wasn't too painful. That I think it was within about 10 minutes, it was obvious we were never going to uh, get together. And we said that at the end of the meal, but she told me about her Christian journey. I told her about mine. And it was a really positive experience. And I, and I carried on doing that. Now... I want to try not to embarrass her too much because she's here. Katie, who is my wife-to-be, which is this is where the story gets a bit more positive, hopefully. Um, we, we got to know each other a little bit through this wonderful means called Christian Connection. Um, but to be honest, nothing really quite, partly because she lived quite a way away, to be honest. And I thought, well, God clearly would want me to live fairly close. I work at, in Hampton. Uh, surely he wouldn't want me to go to go out with someone in Horsham. And we chatted, but nothing particularly came of it. Um, And then, because we're friends on Facebook, a very bizarre thing happened. that A little connection jumped up in my uh, Facebook site saying, you have friends in common. And I thought, oh, why do do we have friends in common? That's really bizarre. And the people we had in common were Dave and Tina Cook, my celebrity couple from (laughs) St. Stephen's. I thought, oh, what? I wonder why she knows David. And Bernie Armstrong, who also used to lead worship at St. Stephen's. And I got back in touch with, her, largely just slightly out of nosiness, to say, well, why do you know these people that I got to know really well back in the 1990s? And that led to a conversation and that then led to dinner and etc. The rest is history. And, and on the 8th of April, uh, we're going to get married at St. Mary's Church in Horsham, uh, which is just around the corner from where Katie lives, which is very exciting. So again little things from that, just the Job story. At the end of the Job story, when Job faithfully, and I don't know how faithful I was, I tried to stick with everything, but the devil gives up. He says, I can't get this man to turn away from me. And then God just throws blessing at Job. More wives arrived, because that was the way then. So he has several more wives. (laughs) He has several more houses. All of his livestock and more are replaced. Now, obviously, the modern... The modern example is not quite like that. But if I was really bothered about those things, and I think you know, perhaps a couple of years having lost the house, I got to an important moment when I stopped going on you know, Right to Buy or Zoopla, trying to see if I could wheedle my way into being able to afford it. I looked at every possible option. I, could I borrow money from that person, that person? Should I do, you know, should I do part renting, part... You know, and I eventually realised I just couldn't afford it, and I gave up, and I said to God, okay, if I never live in my own house ever again, I'm lucky that I can just afford to rent, I should stop worrying about it. And what he said to me, as I increasingly travelled around, reconnected with my parents, I got to stay at my brother's house, Uh, my ex-wife's mother I went and spent time down with, I suddenly thought, you know, I've got all of these houses, I don't live in one house. All these people have opened up their home to me, including Kath and at the start, and they're sharing their homes. I don't have to own a home in order to have a home that I feel safe in. And it really opened my eyes to how narrow-minded I'd been when I, I did have my own place. But of course. God has got a sense of humour and God blesses us far more than we could possibly imagine at times. And By bringing Katie in my life uh, and the lovely uh, home she lives in, her wonderful family, her dad's an amazing former vicar, the wonderful Christian people in her family, the friends that she's introduced me to, uh, I've just been blessed far more than I, than I possibly could have done if I'd worked hard to get back to where I was. I just couldn't do it and God has just given me that and so much more so much more that I could possibly imagine through nothing that I have done just from saying hopefully over to you God what can you do and his plans have been so much better than anything I could possibly have imagined so I've been very very fortunate and it's been a real lesson just little things Katie's children are pretty much identical ages to mine she's got two girls and a boy I've got two girls uh, two boys and a girl and it was just sort of really bizarre that we've, we've come together with so many similarities. It really can only be because God has placed us together and we're very excited. What I would say, as the story goes on, and this is probably the last time I'll speak at the church, and it's been a huge honour. I had a meeting with Dave McDougall um, many, many years ago when he said, I want you to start preaching here. And I thought, fantastic. I'd always wanted to, but never thought I should ask or should wait for someone. And he said, I want you to talk here. And it's been a real blessing to do that. And I, and I hope wherever we end up, wherever church we end up settled in longer, I, I might hope to be able to do that again. But it was here where David said, go on, get up there and get on with it and, and see where that takes you. And it's been a wonderful honour to be involved in music and, and speaking and, and lots of other things too. So that's been fantastic. So what happens next going forward? Um, I'm going to be moving to Horsham after we get married in April. Um, and obviously, a lot, a lot of things are going to change. My three kids are still up in North Yorkshire. Katie's three kids, obviously, with her in Horsham. I would ask, uh, particularly those, those who've known me well over the years, if you, uh, for your prayers, particularly as we, we, you know, we sort out all those new changes. It's a lot for her children to cope with me in the house the whole time. At the moment, I've just been visiting at weekends. Suddenly, I'm going to be there the whole time. And that, that's a big thing for my children. It's been lovely to come and see them visit here. Next uh, Sunday morning... Um, they're going to come again perhaps for a final time uh, as, we, as I take them back to Yorkshire. So hopefully you'll see the children to see how they're doing. But I'd appreciate your prayers for them too as they get used to the changes. These are wonderful changes, but of course they too do take uh, getting used to. So God has been faithful. He's been faithful to me when times have been wonderful, when times have been difficult. It doesn't mean, as Tom says, that everything is just Sorted out. We have seen some wonderful moments here over that period since 2002. We've seen some really sad moments. We've lost so many wonderful members of our community, and sometimes we've prayed with huge uh, faith and passion that those people will be saved, and sometimes they haven't been. But we have a God who loves us and looks after us and knows us. He knows the hairs on our heads and uh, considers that we should call Him. Daddy, Abba, Father, which I still think is the most extraordinary thing that we can say to God. There's not a whole series of steps we have to take. He says, no, no, you should say Abba, Father. And that word Abba, which can only be translated as Daddy. Now, in any world religion, you'd practically be in court for using that intimate a term for your Heavenly Father. And that is what we are told and commanded to call him Abba, father that's the intimacy of the heavenly father that's here right now now whatever your story has been i'm sure it's had far more difficult moments than the mine has been that i've shared briefly this morning but it's been the same heavenly father that's been with you throughout that whether you experienced it or whether you haven't and what i'd like to do now if i may is just to pray for everybody and perhaps if the band could come up at that point as well um I just want to pray for you because it might be that there's a little bit of that that was similar to something and it's just stirred up a little thought in your head you know perhaps about the, those parents uh, who looked after you when you, you were young perhaps you've lost that perhaps you've moved around as well um, perhaps there's been marriage difficulties perhaps you haven't got married perhaps your children aren't with you and that's been difficulty um, because we all face these huge challenges and God is with us throughout so Perhaps if you could stand first and then uh, let me pray. And then the band can lead us. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who loves us. You're a God who is committed to each one of us each one of the precious people standing here today thank you that you know us better than anyone else in our lives before a word is on our lips you know it O oh Lord thank you that you've been with us through every moment of that life so far and you will go ahead of us into whatever future will meet us thank you that you're a God of justice that you're a God of hope, that you're a God of power. And Lord, we don't know what's going to come next for any of us, but we commit to you this morning that we trust you and we love you and we know that you are taking us into new places as a church, as individuals. And I just pray again that your Holy Spirit will fill us this morning, that we would know your love We'd know that tenderness that comes from a heavenly father who says, call me daddy. Thank you that you love us that intimately and that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. I pray now, just as we spend a little bit of time worshiping you once more, that you will fill us with that overpowering love and acceptance and grace and that we will go into this next week knowing that you are with us every single step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen.